Our panel today, as I said, Glenn Munsey, David Gately and Dean Lester. I'll say good morning, firstly, to David Gately. Uh, well, actually, he's not there yet, Gator, so we'll go to Glenn. Glenn Munsey, hello, Glenn. Good morning, Dave. Uh, good morning to Dean and Gator when they come on. And good morning to all the listeners. And for Tanya's benefit, Dave, uh, Dean um, Ritchie just teased a little thing uh, in the end of the Big Sports Breakfast here because Tanya is a big Parramatta fan and the news is that Dylan Brown has re-signed for Parramatta. So uh, that'll save Tanya worrying uh, what is actually going on for that news. Uh, there you go. Yeah, she was up and about uh, when Dino said that. So there you go, Parafans. Dylan Brown re-signs. Uh, Rugby League, the news will be coming thick and fast this summer, no doubt. Um, Glenn, uh, before I get to, uh, to Dino, mate, obviously you had a big day there on Saturday uh, for the National Jockeys Trust. Yes, it was, Dave. A big day there at uh, Ramwick in the ballroom. Special guests, uh, uh, Pam O'Neill, OAM, and also Kate Nipperis. And, uh, well, they had a little bit of Melbourne flavour to it because the winner of the big raffle prize there, the Nicholas Hayward jewellery uh, valued at around about $17,000, was actually a visitor for the day in the shape of Jason Benbow, who's doing some work for the National Jockeys Trust in Victoria, South Australia and Tasmania. Jason currently out. Uh, he's got a broken foot. So he's on crutches and it's rapidly approaching his 10th wedding anniversary. So he said he is in the good books. I can tell you that now. He had his lovely uh, wife with him on Saturday. So he's a very, very happy man and she's a very happy lady having won the, the big raffle there on Saturday, Jason Benbow. Fantastic. All right. We'll uh, look forward to uh, talking about that later on. Uh, joining us as well, uh, he's back, uh, Dean Lester. He's been away for a couple of weeks. Dino, welcome back to Punters Postmortem. Thank you, Dave. Good to be back. You're one tough bugger, mate. You've been in the wars. Uh, well, yes, uh, accidentally. Uh, this time, Dave, I was just having a couple of routine tests done a couple of days in hospital, and uh, they were kind enough to give me the 100% load of COVID. So uh, I ended up 11 days in the COVID ward. So, no, it was, it was a bit of fun. Mate, uh, well, we're glad that you're back and, uh, and firing on all cylinders. Mate, uh, obviously, from a racing perspective, uh, some really nice horse performances on the weekend. Yeah, there was, uh, you know, obviously uh, overshadowed by controversy, but there, there, there were some progressive horses going through this meeting. They often are at these uh, Flemington uh, December, January meetings. And uh, and then you see like the, you know, an old warrior like Persan get back in the winner's stall just being too classy. And Ashford Street, a bit of a surprise winner of the Kensington Stakes uh, on dry ground, but uh, no, no one begrudging him his win either. He's been uh, very consistent all the way through. And David Gately's joining us. Of course, Gator was on Sky One on the weekend covering all the uh, the three meetings, uh, Sydney, Brisbane and Melbourne. How are you, Gator? I'm well, mate. I'm just adding up my winners um, over those four meetings and uh, it's not taking me too long. <laughs> it's uh, it's one of those times a year where, well, it's, it's probably not that time of the year. It just seems like it's getting more difficult and difficult, isn't it? I was thinking the same thing, and I was trying to work out why, because I'm sure there's a reason for everything. Um, and um, one of my theories is perhaps the, the you know the lowering of the benchmarks in in, in Melbourne and Sydney, um, and a lot of blanket finishes. Looking through these results at Ramwick horses, you know, running tenth and eleventh, uh, have beaten two lengths, two and a half lengths. Um, so that's been the theme of it. Uh, so yeah, just trying to work out. Uh, where we went wrong and, and fix it. That's the plan anyway. Mm. Well, that is an, a really interesting, um, uh, I guess, topic of discussion, which has been mentioned a few times on uh, text before, but we've just never sort of had time to sort of sink our teeth in it. And yep. considering we'll start there, I mean, I'll come to you here, Dino. Are you finding form more difficult now in 2022 than you say were in 2005, 2006? Like, are you, are you finding it's just so much more competitive with the quality of horse we've got and and the way these races are now set up? Absolutely no doubt, Dave. Um, I've uh, written articles about it that, that uh, th- since uh, we went from class one to six and then open to benchmarks, uh, horses, uh, you could get a horse that had win three races and you knew that it wouldn't win beyond class three. So it either had to go to another jurisdiction or it was virtually you know, not going to be in the race m- most times. But uh, now with the benchmarking, a horse wins a 64 or a 70 and he goes up a grade and he's just not quite good enough. But in three runs time he is and he's got 888 next to his name, but you've got to consider him. And, and what Gator's point is right, is the margins are never, uh, there's never much between them. So it comes down to run of race stuff and uh, 
that's uh, you know, the art of trying to find the winner. So no doubt it's harder uh, as opposed to the systems that were previously in place. What about your, your thoughts, uh, Munns? Yeah, very similar. And then, Dave, you've got to find them at the right price. I have, a, I have an uncanny knack of finding them when they're 25 to 1 and they run second and not finding them when they're $3.50 and win uh, because I'm a very, very price-sensitive punter. Uh, and, 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 and that's also an art because you, you, they, might be 25, they might be 25 to 1 in, say, a benchmark 78 and you're taking the odds because they've got you know a couple of kilos less in that race there and, and they'll come back to a, a 72 or you know even a, a 64 on a Saturday at Newcastle or Kembla, for example. Uh, and, and they've got more weight, but they're a, a much, much weaker, a, you know, much, much tighter in the market. So, you know, there's, there's the art to finding the right horse, but there's also the art to finding it at the right price. You know, everyone says, well, you'll never go broke backing winners, but if you keep taking, uh, for example, you keep taking evens or $2 instead of $4, you have to back twice as many winners to break square at it. Mm. Are you finding too, Glenn? I mean, I know at the moment, like the prices aren't set by you, but just from, you know, obviously uh, the observation of the machine uh, and watching, we, gee, we have some wild fluctuations um, well, these days. Yeah, but a lot of people think that I'm mad, Dave, and 99.9% of them are correct. But uh, to, for someone to sit there and try and analyse what is going on, I think Saturday really highlighted the situations we are at the moment trying to follow fluctuations and and I wasn't following them anywhere near as closely as I normally was on Saturday Uh, but this was even Saturday morning in the midst of doing the preview we had one horse there Alpha One who was moving between $1.80 and $2.40 in the one race without anything else in the race being significantly supported well if anyone can work that out you're a better man than me and I've been looking at him for a fair while Mm. Mans, the other thing um, is with the advent and the explosion of sports betting, do you just think punters, like, they just take ridiculously short odds? I'm with you. I'm price sensitive uh, with regard to backing a horse. Uh, but uh, there seems to be sometimes a, th- a horse you'll see, it's, you know, $1.80 in the morning. Like, there was one yesterday uh, at Werribee. It was $1.80 in the morning, and uh, it ran $1.30. Mm. Um, and it's just like this pile on uh, at the short odds. Well, you did tip it a good thing, Dean, but even you said in the morning, it's short yeah. enough at the moment. Yeah. Well, in your wildest dreams, you didn't think it was going to run a dollar thirty. No. <laughs> and win uh, by an and, inch. <laughs> yeah, and fell in. Um, but, yeah, and we talk a lot about the, the JMAC tax here. Mm. Now, uh, that can very, very much seriously affect the price of certain horses. Horses that are entitled to be probably $5 chances will traditionally be $3.50 chances. Now, if they win, everyone says, well, you know, I I told you it'd win. But if they don't, you should be finding value outside of that. The worst thing is you find the value outside it and J-Mac still manages to get them to win. Mm. Um, You know, he doesn't ride all of the winners. Now, let's look at Frumos on Saturday. Now, anyone anyone whatsoever that does form, Right, and I've yeah. said it a thousand times. The flashing light horse and Gator, you're going to back us up here. I know, the flashing light horse is massive unders its next run. Um, well, <coughs> yeah, I, I see your point. Um, I, I, I need to see some uh, data and information on that before I could form a conclusion. But um, I think you have to just take each run and race at, at face value. Um, so I, I think having a blanket rule of Oh, okay, that was unlucky, so it's going to be unders. I think, in my very humble, I think that's the wrong approach. Um, you know, being sort of second up, maybe she was a little bit more vulnerable. She didn't have the same acceleration in this particular case. But there's plenty of other occasions where that horse comes out and wins brilliantly because they've just got all this conserved energy. You know, one, another, another one of my many theories, um, and, you know, and they, and they win really well. So, yeah, I, I'd, I'd be a little cautious... Um, of blanket uh, sort of rules like that, but um, again, I certainly don't think I know everything. Muns? Yeah, yeah, well, I, I'm only highlighting Frumos as a, an example, like, you know, uh, uh, and opinions are great because there's the opinion, oh, she was unlucky in, in that race at Rose Hill, but there's also the opinion that a horse like Thalassophile in the same race was unlucky as well. Now, 
it didn't come out and go from being a $3.60 chance to a $1.80 chance its next run. It still ran $15 or $16 at its next, at its next start. But... Um, and the other, you, you get to the other extreme there. We've got the um, the team coming on now of a Saturday morning, Timmy Ryan and Timmy Owens from uh, the trading uh, floor at, at Tab and making a lay of the day. Now, many, many times those horses are rock solid in the market all week. And remember, some of these races are being bet on since Monday all in, Wednesday at 11 o'clock final field, and they've been rock solid Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning. They get on the radio at 11 o'clock Saturday morning and make it the lay of the day, and then it's a rush to, to get it out in the market. And so, so what has happened to the market Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday? They come on Saturday at 11 o'clock and say, well, we don't like it. Now, all of the money that's been invested on it in the week for some reason then, all of the other operators, it's it's a race to see who can get it out in the market the quickest. So why did imaginal, it just, just come become a, a massive risk at 11 o'clock on a Saturday morning? It's a lot of sheep following going on with the markets at the moment. Mm. Uh, we're going to open the lines uh, in terms of the phone lines. 13.53.53 is that open line number. So if you have got a, want to get involved with the conversation, I don't mind this convo to kickstart punters post-mortem. Uh, we've got Balmain Max on the line. G'day. No, we don't have Balmain Max. Not yet. We will very, very soon. He's there on hold. In the meantime, um, before we get to this, uh, this whip discussion, uh, I want to talk about, uh, there's already a text here about uh, Superium and a comment on Superium. Again, we see young Zach Lloyd uh, with a really good um, opportunity uh, to, to showcase his talent in town, and he's doing that. Um, I'll come to you here, Gator. What did you make of Superium in the eighth event at Randwick on Saturday? Well, we might have lost Gator. I'll come to you then, uh, Dino. It was an outstanding ride on Superium. Yeah. Um, just getting getting those uh, rails runs uh, and just having, you know, he, had, he did have to play for luck, but when you're riding Superium, that's the best thing to be uh, doing is playing for luck and hoping you get there right on the line. And uh, he did exactly that on Saturday. He'd been going okay, but, uh, yeah, he he uh, got the result on, on Saturday and uh, nabbed Cole Crusher, sadly. Um, who uh, did everything but win? Coda Hill ran well, but uh, yeah, um, yeah, it was going to be one of those sort of races where you know whether it be Amish Boy or Purple Sector, a few there are a few on losing streaks there, and it was Superior who come up trumps. I think we got Gator back. Uh, Gator, what did you make of Superior? Yeah, look, I think uh, it was obviously a brilliant win. I mean, um, you know, he's still sort of five, six lengths off him at the at the 200 or 300 metre mark. So, you know, I'm not even convinced the rail was the A-plus ground. So it is difficult to take anything away from him. I was with Dino in that I was strongly with Cole Crusher and, and thought we were home. Um, you know, he took over and, and, and had the race shot to pieces and uh, in a race that was chock full of non-winners, inverted commas. But look, in fairness to Superior, he's run route. He's beaten two and a half lengths in a Group 3 Vic Handicap to Ayrton for the last time he was on dry ground at 1,400. So... He wasn't um, impossible to find. He just hadn't won for a while. And whether that was him being a little disingenuous or he'd just taken on races that are a bit beyond him, like the Group 3, or races that he's had no luck, which has been a number of them since. So, um, but look, it was a theme of the day, though. Very fast time and some very fast sectionals. Hey, Glenn, what did you make of Superior, mate? Uh, well, funnily enough, Dave, uh, you talk about horses uh, long losing streaks. I actually had Purple Sector and Superium as my top two uh, selections in the race. Purple Sector hasn't won a race for 773 days, and Superium hadn't won a race for 552 days. But it was one of those races I didn't want to be with Amish Boy whatsoever. Uh, and, it's, you know, it's the process of elimination. Realistically, I, I thought you know there was plenty of holes in in those horses that were in the market, and at this stage, you know, Purple Sector was a fourteen dollar chance, and Superium was a twelve dollar chance. When I when I was sitting down to work out how I was handling the race, so I thought it was a good race to be to be betting in, and I you know and, and I know they hadn't won for a while, but then Amish Boy hadn't won for a thousand days either. Uh, I think Katil uh, Katili, I think 
probably 1,300s. It's absolute sort of, you know, peak distance. I was prepared to be sort of risky to it at 1,400. Um, and, and then I was putting in the, the two horses resuming because uh, I'm a sucker for sort of uh, middle distance horses resuming in 1,400 metre races, which was Shameless Miss and Knight of Power. Well, they, they both went, you know, not much chop uh, in the... The, the finish of things, shameless miss around seventh night of power run last, but they're the sort of races that I do like to attack, Dave. When I when I'm I'm getting away from those horses hard in the market and looking at those horses that I think are just as good a chances at three and four times the price. And sometimes you're right, and sometimes you're wrong. But um, you know, he, his previous run superior, he was very very good. Um, he, he's a horse. Now that at his thirty-second start on Saturday, they decided to throw a set of blinkers on him, and whether or not that that switched him on, um, he'd had plenty of you know winkers on, winkers off, but blinkers on at your thirty-second start, coming off a very very good run. Uh, I think we've got Balmain Max now on the line. G'day, Balmain. G'day, Dave. How are you, mate? Very good, mate. What's on your mind? Yeah, I've got two for Dino. And I've got one for you at the finish, mate. Okay, mate. Yeah, I wanted to talk to Dino about St. Lawrence, the Kiramar horse. Mm. He's had three starts. He's won them all impressively, but I can't find him in it for anything, Dino. Um, I, uh, you'd have to think he'd be nearly ready to go again this weekend, uh, Max. But um, Right. And the entry's come out this morning. So, uh, yeah, but even on the tab app, they don't know when his next start is, Dino. Oh, well, if he's not ended for anything just yet. Um, I didn't know whether he went amiss or he's been sold overseas. No. He's still listed as active on Racing yeah. Australia. No, he only ran on the 7th of December. I thought that's, a, that's only 12 days ago. So oh, okay. I, 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 yeah, and he won a benchmark 64. So he might be in a 70 on Saturday at Mooney Valley or Boxing Day at Sandown. Um, there's a heap of races in the next couple of weeks that are going to be good money races. So... I think you'll probably, when the entries come out for the weekend, uh, you'll probably see him in something. Because uh, Dave Eustace talked to uh, Dave Stanley at one time, and he said, he said this horse, he said a mile and a half, two mile, he said that's his four-day, but he's not in any of the main races. No, I don't know. Oh, yeah. Those races, sorry, yeah. Dean, but those races we've got markets up for, Max, um, right. th- these pre-NOM markets are basically just a, um, a guess uh, and and the the up and coming horses are usually not included in those sort of races. Well, okay. Well, that's yeah. under that. Yeah. Uh, what about Hitotsu? Do you know when did he have his first start? I don't know. I think the Australian Cup's where he's sort of aiming, uh, Max. So I think uh, yeah, you know that the Ma used to stable don't need to race him much to get him fit. So no, um, no, fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the Australian Cup's been moved to the end of March, 26th of March, I think. So uh, he, he might have a run in early March or late February. So, uh, yeah, he's probably eight, eight weeks away. Well, welcome back, Dino, anyway, and hope you all have a good Christmas. And I've got one for Dave, mate. Yeah, mate. Yeah, Dave, you've got to do an interview with a, a young lady called Lou Mary. She's got a small team, but she runs her mainly in the midways and the highways. Uh, Highways, and she even has a, Lou, Lou is a gentleman, Newcastle not a lady. Too. <laughs> yeah, uh, Lou's a uh, Lou's a bloke. Mm. Oh, Lou's a bloke, isn't yep. he? So yes. I'll, well, I thought, uh, we'll get him on. When I saw the Lou Mary, I thought, yeah, yeah, because the Ricky Nelson song, Mary Lou, yeah. <laughs> no, no, we'll we'll get him on. He was on uh, the coverage on Saturday. I think he was on Sky Thoroughbred before that last race. Uh, there at oh, Newcastle. Okay. So, uh, yeah, no, that's a, we're going to need some. Uh, we got Nick Olive on today on Monday's experts. So we'll put no uh, we'll put Lou down and have a chat to him, mate. Okay, mate. And have a good Christmas. You Benny. too. Thanks, Balmain. Balmain Max uh, joining us there. All right, uh, plenty of texts on the text line about uh, race number five at uh, at Flemington on the weekend, where we had a situation where we had a what a dead heat between Invincible Caviar. And my Yankee girl, and it just happened to be as well, probably a race where we had a lot of eyeballs on that particular race because of the interest in, in Invincible Caviar, which is the uh, the daughter of, um, of Black Caviar. Uh, they hit the line locked together, and then we saw it uh, pop up on screen on Sky Racing 1 that there was a stewards protest uh, against uh, the equal first of my Yankee girl, which was then 
upheld. The first time this has ever happened in Victoria, and obviously then Twitter went in and social media went into a, an overdrive, but now we've had a couple of days to digest it and dissect it. And I guess we'll get the comments of the boys. I'll come to you here, uh, Dean Lester, first. Firstly, um, your initial reaction to how it unfolded, and I guess now you've had a couple of days to digest it. What you, what are your concerns? What are your, um, what are you happy about? Um, yeah, give us a general overview. Uh, my main concern, Dave, is that when a horse has been beaten ahead, the stewards have said they can't quantify a margin, but when it's a dead heat, they can. Uh, now. That might not have made the horse go any faster, mate. It's very subjective. Uh, you could, I mean, as soon as the stewards threw in the protest, it was going to be upheld. Um, but uh, uh, look, the, the stewards are hamstrung by the rule. Uh, does the rule need tinkering? Well, I know where I'd tinker it. I'd just boot it, but that's me. Um, I, I, you know, it's a kind. It's like saying, you know, be competitive, but not too competitive. Um, I, I just, uh, I don't like the rules, full stop. So, but that, the stewards, you know, certainly were obliged because it's not the last 100 metres and a lot of people have got this bit misconstrued and there was no need to, by the stewards to mention that there was a total of 27 whip strikes because in the last 100, it doesn't matter what you do. It's before the 100 that there's only five strikes allowed and non-consecutive and they allege that Blake went 12 and six consecutive. So he transgressed the rule that they are obliged to investigate. David Gately, uh, you were on Sky Racing One. What, how does this all sit with you? Look, not well. Um, you know, I just think in any jurisdiction, ir- irrespective of um, anything, any sport or any walk of life, you've got to deal in facts. And otherwise, it's just complete guesswork. Now, there's absolutely no scientific evidence that I've been able to find that can tell me that uh, that horse would have won that race. Um, Invincible caveat would have won had uh, the whip rules been uh, adhered to. Um, When they can, I'm all for it. Uphold them all. Um, Until that day, you just can't do it. I certainly see the other argument about there's a rule in place, there has to be a punishment, but I don't understand... This result as the punishment, um, you know, I think the, the previously where, you know, that inverted to the punitive, you know, punishment, whatever, has come in the form of um, jockey suspensions and fines and uh, punters have effectively been left out of, of that. But you asked for the initial reaction, and my initial reaction when I heard that was they've sort of dismissed every single protest uh, since this rule has come in and now they've formulated their own protest and uphold it, it, it it's, I'm, I'm struggling to swallow it. Mm. Glenn Munsey? Uh, well, I, I didn't uh, follow it that closely, Dave, because, um, you know, we're, we're doing that function there. But, you know, I, I've, I sort of tried to sort of catch up with it on Saturday night. And, well, you know, um, always two sides to a story. But, you know, as Dean said, when the stewards fired in their own protest... Uh, you, you thought it was going to be upheld. But what if the margin was ahead? Did they fire in the protest because of the fact it was a dead heat? And, you know, did they state their case uh, hard enough by saying the reason we have taken uh, the dead heat off it is the transgression by Blake Shin? It's got nothing to do with the margin or anything like that. Um, you know, you're only allowed... X number of strikes before the 100 metres and, and Blake exceeded that. But no one can tell you how far a horse will be cost by interference and always in a protest situation, the best talker will win a protest more often than not because all they're doing is stating their case and they are coming up with a margin that they believe is the amount of ground that it cost it. And even plenty of times, you know, jockeys have gone in there and said, well, it cost me a neck. And the stewards have said, well, you got beat half a length. Well, you know, see you, out you go. But, you know, they're always going to put some mayonnaise on uh, how much the margin has been that it's going to cost them. But no one can quantify it, whether or not it's, it's the whip or it's interference as such. But it's a very, very, very big can of worms that they've opened now. Everyone was ruining the day that this was going to happen. And I don't think it gives punters 
confidence if now they're going to be saying, well, hang on, what happens if, it, if it's a head or a half head or a nose or whatever? Are they going to say, well, we now can say that this horse gained an advantage? Or have they only said it because it was a dead heat? Um, in, I guess, Dino, what do you think about that? Do you think it was only done because it was dead heat? Do you think if it wasn't uh, dead heat, it wouldn't have happened? I don't think there's any doubt about it, Dave. And that's, that's even, that, that yeah. defies a little bit of logic as well because, the, you know, as Gator said, uh, where's the proof of, of what, you know, what was the, the quantifying of the margin um, of, of the horse? And, you know, it was Blake Shin's choice to ride like that, but what's to say that horse late in the race resent, might have resented it? it it's, yeah. Uh, I think long as you're not bringing in like like the jockeys uh, have the whip as a tool of trade, but don't use it too much. Like it's like saying you know you've got your reins, but don't steer a lot. You know, like they are professional uh, athletes. Like if you're talking optics, when you watched that race, did you think, oh my god, Black Shin, what was he doing? You didn't. You just thought he was driving to the line and competing, and. Ultimately, we are in a sport that is competition. Mm. Um, what about, uh, we, we talk about Can of Worms opening up now, and uh, there's an article uh, I see um, done by Gilbert Garner down there in Victoria that uh, the, the chief steward has sort of said, you know, look, that this could uh, be something that uh, we see now more often than not. Um I, I was sort of coming at because uh, Jamie asked me in the crossover and said, what was my personal opinion? And I'm, I've got the opinion of you guys there. Very much so with you, Dino, as well, about, um, you know, that you know, here's this here's this object, but, yeah, don't don't use it. Just sort of, you know, take it around for a journey around the around the track. But from an owner's perspective, you know, you, you put all the, the time and effort in and also maybe from a trainer's perspective too, and that could now just get taken away from you um, because of uh, a judgment call from someone else. Just doesn't sit um, doesn't sit well at all. Uh, let's talk about that performance of uh, that that horse because there are some texts about it. This invincible caviar. Um, what did you make? What did you make of uh, of her run, Dino? Look, I, I think punters that uh, have tuned into her have been getting reasonable prices because the first few foals of black caviar haven't been much good. But this is. One that's definitely got substance. She's now four of one, four of six. With a, even even in the dead heat scenario, she was a, a winner on Saturday. So uh, before getting it outright, but um, she's you know I think a race like the the Belmain Stakes or one of those twelve hundred meters that um, you know will be at Sandown this season. But uh, you know those sort of races uh, for mares are perfect for her, and uh, you know, she's she's got a good manner about her and um, interesting that Peter Moody said that he thought she actually, even though it was only two weeks between runs, she got away on him a little bit on Saturday and that she had a bit more of a blow than uh, he thought she would uh, and he's inclined to maybe have a look at the Standish on you um, in four weeks' time. So, uh, no, she's she's a, a very handy mare and uh, obviously all eyes are on her, as you said, Dave, but uh, she's she's doing a good job. Gator, what uh, what did you make of uh, Invincible Caviar? That was a good win. You know, she beat a good field. Uh, she did it albeit with 54 kilos, but she's still on the upward spiral, it seems. In three of her past uh, four runs, which have been wins, the lameness and forgive uh, miss was the only defeat. She's been well above, you know, uh, class average and, and all benchmark averages with her times and sectionals, and that tells you that um, she's well and truly above average. Let's go up to Sydney. Uh, Muns, I'll get you to comment here on IME, who we spoke about on the punters panel. Um, obviously, uh, we know that she's got a lot of ability and she's probably off to the Magic Millions now. Yes, Dave. I think it was the 800th win for uh, Dynamic Syndications too, or 600 or 800 winners. So congratulations to them. Well, here's a case uh, where the market said there was two chances only, and they were IME and Dehorned Unicorn. Uh, in the morning, uh, IME was a, a $2 chance, and uh, Dehorned Unicorn was $2.70. At one stage there, uh, I looked up and saw Dehorned Unicorn was actually favourite. 
um, and the market was proven correct because these two you know, came right away from the rest of the runners there and Hellfest uh, resuming, got back and just kept pinching ground along the inside. But, you know, the worry with the IME was the fact she was stepping out to 1,200. She'd won 1,100s at Rose Hill and dictated there. Uh, but just James McDonald, barrier one, ran the race to suit himself and, and held off uh, Dehorn Unicorn despite the fact it was giving Dehorn Unicorn seven kilos. It was a big win, wasn't it, Gator? A terrific win. Saul Honours. Winner for mine. He went up in. She went up inside the leader. Um, didn't have uh, the most peaceful time. You know, two lengths above class average to be precise. Thirty-four two first six hundred. So it's not as if they were crawling. She got away with um, you know some um, very very moderate sexuals in her previous win and just accelerated away. This time there was pressure. She absorbed it. She kicked away and she won. She ran very fast time. Theme of the day though one seven point seven. Wow we. Uh, so eight lengths above average and. As reference, gave a stack away to the runner-up, and they gapped to the third horse. So, um, all on us when to tick the 12 and a metre box uh, with GSC. And I'll get a comment from you as well, uh, Dino. Yeah, it was a good race, wasn't it? Uh, and uh, no, a really impressive winner. And uh, Dion Unicorn chased uh, honestly. Yeah, it was a, it was a brave run, but uh, no, I thought uh, you know one of the good races of the day. All right, fantastic. Uh, we've got a caller on the line. I think uh, Greg is not too far away. Um, is he there, Boydo? He is. Good morning, Greg. Hello. Good day, mate. How are you? Very good, mate. What's on your mind? Uh, just a perfect segue on this this whip situation. The Melbourne Stewards. I don't know whether you saw Horsham yesterday. We had a situation where Jockey D Yendel was cruising on a short price favourite, <laughs> comes around the home turn and virtually throws his whip away. Can't then catch the leader. Surprise, surprise, the leader. 20 to 1 chance ridden by his wife. Not a question asked. That's when people, the stewards, should come in and say, what's going on? Have a look at the replay. He virtually throws the whip away. And uh, guess who wins the race? A 20 to 1 shot. He's Christine pulls his wife. So that's the type of thing that takes away from the punters or the confidence when that sort of stuff. What's Dean sort of think about that? Uh, I think you don't really know Dean Yendall. He would want to beat his wife or anyone at anything. Uh, he's just dropped his whip, I think. But uh, yeah, look, it, it Have was. Have a look at it. I watched it. it. Oh, I've seen the race. I, I saw the race in, in the moment and I rewound it. At, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he got tangled and he's dropped. He certainly, like, it, <laughs> it was an extravagant way that the, the whip came out of his hand. I know that. But, uh, oh. Yeah, I think that's a, a long bow, but uh, it, I thought more to the point that, uh, yeah, if that horse had had the whip, it would have won and uh, and the stewards would have been, or the punters would have been even happier. So, anyway. Thanks for your call, Greg. Uh, we've got to Fred on the line. And is Fred there? I think he is in a moment. Boydo, he's pressing the buttons here. He's pressing more buttons than a Qantas pilot at the moment. I think he's there. No, he's not there, Fred. So we'll go to our next text on the text line. Hi, guys. Can I get a comment here uh, from the boys on the first race in Sydney? Uh, Lazago, the two-year-old. A lot of attention was on snapback. Uh, what did we make? Uh, I'll come to you here, Dino, on Lagazo or Lazago. Uh, which race, Dave? Uh, race one in Sydney, the two-year-old race. Uh, yeah. Um, Lazago, I, I, look, it was a... Uh, Strong performance, wasn't it, down the centre of the track? Um, you know, I think uh, pretty handy race. Uh, I haven't got the um, standardised times, but they were home pretty quick on a day where the, obviously the track played pretty well. And to run down the twos on favourite uh, and snap back uh, had good credentials was a good performance. And um, yeah, while we're starting to roll out some uh, nice young horses. What about yourself, uh, Gator? What did you make of the two-year-old performance in the uh, first? Yeah, look, I think it was a, it was a nice win. I mean, given the fact that um, you know she she ran out noticeably, uh, so there's plenty to work with. Um, she was the fastest for all three of her final two hundred. Um, now the speed uh, wasn't there. You know, a thirty second first five hundred um, on a fast day is slack, um, and it didn't allow them to run any any time, and they didn't. So. The sectionals home were slick, you know, a 10.92 home looks great to the eye, but, um, oh, look, I don't think the race was any real uh, test of um, stamina, really. And what about Tamun? Is that uh, first year? We've spoke a lot about snapback, but uh, this winner was impressive. 
Yeah, well, I think the strangest thing about Dave was the conditions that was running. It was very, very hard actually to see them. And uh, we were standing in the grandstand trying to watch them. It was running, you know, light rain and very, very windy there uh, at uh, Ramwick on Saturday. But, uh, you know, the winner of trial to right, Darren Flindell made it his best bet of the day, which is quite unusual for, to come up with a first starter up against the dollar eighty chance as your best bet of the day. But he was proven correct there. Uh, I think uh, the stable mate, the snapback Ackley's, is just looking for ground. Uh, it found the line all right late there, as it did in the in the gym crack. But um, the winner was just too good. Certainly was. Fred's on the line. Good morning, Fred. Yeah, good morning, Dave, and good morning, boys. And I would like to wish you all a very merry Christmas. And I'm glad to know that Gino is back on radio for Saturday morning. I'm waiting to hear his specials that he gives in Adelaide because he had a fantastic part in early of the year. But what I rang you about, boys, is something that I'm not going to complain about, but I think it's something a lot of people have discussed over the weekend is Dylan Gibbons, apprentice, that cannot claim because he can only ride at 54. I think this is bad for owners and trainers and stewards to allow this to happen. He was on, uh, he took one curl off on one race on Saturday, and I thought Peritas was a very good bet on Saturday until I realised he couldn't claim and he couldn't get under 54 and a run a shocker. Like, you know, if you're going to accept these rides and with an allowance being available, surely, and he might try hard, I don't know what the kid's doing, but he's got to try a bit harder to get down if he's going to accept rides at 52 kilos, mate. Any comments, Munns? He doesn't accept rides at 52 kilos. At an absolute pinch, he rides at 53. But uh, connections that are booking him for these horses know that he's registered riding weight and the apprentices must register a riding weight that they have to ride to and can claim down to. So everyone is very, very much aware that Dylan Gibbons does not ride below 53 and a half at an absolute pitch. I know a number of weeks ago he may have got down to 53, but he notified stewards, and the stewards do put out a note when apprentices get below their registered riding weight. So connections know that, you know, before they book him, what his weight is, and if they're prepared to put him on, knowing full well that he's not going to be claiming, that's their decision. He, he, yeah, he hasn't been he hasn't been put on by anyone else but the connection. So the connections are evidently happy with the fact that they know that he won't be claiming. Yeah, on Saturday morning, Munz, you put it over on when you were doing the uh, the show on uh, television that Dylan Gibbons will not be claiming when you got down to that horse, and he'd be riding at fifty four. So you know, at, uh, I didn't have a bet in a race because with two kilos being pulled off his back, I thought he had a good chance. But, you know, I'm a bit concerned that for other people that uh, just see in the paper without listening to the, the TV, watching the TV and listening to your show, that he wasn't able to claim. They would have backed him thinking he's going to go around with 52 kilos on his back. But anyway, yep. fellas, that's my gripe about Saturday. I save money because I never backed it. But I'd just like to uh, wish young Zach Lloyd all the best for him and his uh, parents, Jeff and the family, over Christmas. He is the best apprentice kid I've seen, and I've been punting for seven years. The best kid I've seen go around since Malcolm Johnson. You didn't see J-Mac when he was apprentice? No, I didn't, but, uh, you know, J-Mac's as class as a number one jockey in, in the world today. He got that award out of it, yep. but I'll tell you something. He, like a lot of other jockeys, they can ride bad races the same as good races, mate. <laughs> but Zach Lloyd, if you'd have watched his two wins the other day, he drove a horse between the centre where there was no room to go, and on Saturday when he got up on the fence, mate, his nerve must be strong to be able to do that for a kid. And I wish him all the very best in the for the future because I reckon he's another J-Mac for sure. All right, fantastic. Thanks for your call, Fred. Appreciate it. Uh, a text here on the a text line in relation to uh, Melbourne and uh, the winner of the last. He's exceptional. Uh, your thoughts there and also uh, the thoughts on indifference. Uh, well, he's exceptional was exceptionally well rated in front by Tommy Stockdale. He cruised along in front, basically ran up uh, about 600 metres and uh, it was going to be impossible for them to run him down. Um, Victory Bay, best 600, 400, 200 of the day, but couldn't peg him back. It was only three lengths off him uh, in the run, but that was the nature of the, the race structure. And with regard to indifference, 
second best 600, second best 400, third best 200 of the meeting, and ran sixth. Uh, so, and Micro, his stable mate, ran the second best last 208. So, as uh, Gator mentioned about a race earlier, it wasn't a, a really uh, true athletic test. It was just a little dash for the cash, and his exceptional was very well rated. What do you make of it, Gator? Oh, no, that's theft. Yeah. Um, yeah, getting away with uh, 13 lengths below average at Flemington over 1,400. You don't see that too often. And uh, kicked and fell in, you know, victory base, four wide, no cover. Um, I'm a big Luke Nolan fan, but he waited um, and then steamed home, missed the bob. But, um, yeah, it was, it was a tough one. But uh, some good looks, some good judges were tipping the winner. So um, it wasn't a fluke, but he shouldn't have won. Mm. Uh, we go to we go to another race here. I want to ask you about um, uh, Munns Frumos. Uh, we touched on it earlier. Um, there's a couple of punters here saying surely never again. Well, what what do you personally do with Frumos? Um, well, maybe Frumos is waiting to get back onto wet tracks, Dave. Okay, you think that's the key? Well, you know, she was very, very dominant uh, her first three starts, all on rain-affected tracks. Uh, this time in, she struck a good three at Rose Hill. And, you know, the, the, the debate is there, how unlucky or whatever she is. Um, perfect case in point. The horse that beat it on Saturday sat three wide for the entire in the same race and was the same price it was the other day. Frumos, in unlucky in inverted commas, as a $3.60 chance, became $1.80. So how do you work that out? Mm. But, you know, maybe just a wet tracker. Uh, what about uh, yourself, uh, Dino? Uh, yeah, I'm thinking that's probably a really valid point with Frumos. Uh, I thought it ran okay, but, uh, yeah, the, the absolute best might be on softer ground. Mm. And uh, what about yourself, Gator? Yeah, look, she ran She ran well. She's beaten one length into fifth. Um, the problem is the expectation was much higher. You know, when you're $2... Or two ten, you're supposed to be winning five out of every ten. Um, you know, she was probably mm, the fourth or fifth best run in that race. So, um, look, she wasn't bad, but expectation was higher. And Ballarouge will certainly test Munza's theory next up. The text here on the text line saying um, she needs more ground through Moss. I don't know if that's tongue in cheek, um, but uh, what she she only would have been out of the fifteen hundred Muns. Is she getting sort of left a bit flat footed in races? Um, well, her first few wins, Dave, at Newcastle when Rory Hutchings rode it, she was back in the field there, just got to the outside and powered away. Mm. Uh, then came to town uh, once again on a heavy eight and Willie Pike back in the field, plenty of room and, and charges down the outside. Uh, then the next day was the day that Huey rode it, was back in the field and stayed on the inside and never had a great deal of luck. Uh, and then, well, probably one of her better runs, when you consider it, was she, she gave Hope in Your Heart a kilo. Uh, and Hope in Your Heart had been, you know, uh, just as good a run in, in the previous run where she run, uh, was bundled up on the inside. Um, and they went to the line together in that race there. So th- there was nothing wrong with that run uh, to run second to, to Hope in Your Heart. There's no, no disgrace to and what Hope in Your Heart went on to do. But her next two runs on hard tracks, um, I don't think, and I said it on the, the punters post-mortem after the Saturday. I don't, Karen McAvoy couldn't have done anything more than what he did on it at Rose Hill. Now, you know, Thalassophile was unlucky in the same race. So she wasn't entitled to be the price she was on Saturday. Mm. All right. Um, yeah. Okay. So that's very interesting to see what happens with Frumos and uh, and how her career unfolds. We're going to take a quick break at nine fifty three. If you want to give us a call, you've got your last chance now. Thirteen fifty three fifty three is the open line number. Uh, before we get the boys' horses to follow for this Monday. Blue Point completes the double. Blue Point still the only horse ever to win three Group One sprints at Royal Ascot. Like Nature's Trip, he won the Group One Kingstand Stakes, but Blue Point won it twice. Same as Black Caviar, he won the Group 1 Diamond Jubilee Stakes. Blue Point, an elite sprinter who won the same races as the best sprinters in Australia. His first yearlings are at the sales now. Australia's favourite windows and doors... Excuse me, i just got to get the door. Jess, can you take over, please? Yep, sure. Australia's favourite windows and doors are available at... 
Ah, uh, sorry. Now someone's knocking at the back door. Um, how about we let the main voiceover guy take over? Wideline Windows and Doors. Bring over 50 years of producing quality Australian-made windows and doors that bring life into your home. Enhance the feeling of home with Wideline Windows and Doors. Inquire now at wideline.com.au. Since 2018, 36 Group 1 winners could have been bought for $100,000 or less at an Inglis sale. That's 44% more than the nearest Australian auction house. Where will you be in 2023? Classic catalogue available now at inglis.com.au. The typical Aussie way of cooking meat is if it looks cooked, it probably is cooked, right? Wrong. When cooking meat, it's all about bringing the right amount of heat, especially if you want to avoid food poisoning. And the easiest way to check that meat is perfectly and safely cooked is to use a meat thermometer. To check the safe temperature for whatever kind of meat you're cooking, just head to the Food Safety website. That's foodsafety.asn.au. A message from the Food Safety Information Council. At Drummond Golf, we understand your passion. Nice roll. And that's because every Drummond Golf store is owned and run by a local who loves the game as much as you do. Yeah, it's come off the face really well. Someone who knows where you play and what you need. Oh yeah, looking good. With Australia's biggest range and expert knowledge. Great, now let's try that putter with this grip. So if you want to improve your game, see your local expert at Drummond Golf. This is Punter's Postmortem on Sky Sports Radio. It's 9.56, Sky Sports Radio. We've got some callers on the line before we get to our horses to follow from Gator, uh, Dino and, of course, Munns. Joe's on the line. Good morning, Joe. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Very good, mate. What's uh, your What's your question? Well, not really a question. It's a statement. Uh the last few weeks, the amount of short price favourites that are getting beaten in Sydney racing is just outstanding. I've never known it to be like that for years and years. They, they get spruced up from Thursday all the way through, Saturday morning programs and everything, and they go out there and they run like donkeys. Don't understand it. What's going on? Normally there'd be a steward's inquiry or something like that. There's no inquiries. The punters just keep confident week after week. Any comment, boys? Munns, Dino? I think that uh, there have been a lot of favourites getting rolled, but I don't think it's been by a fault of of anyone in particular. I think they've just been the wrong opinion. Munns? Well, um, it's not an exact science. Yeah. No, and exactly. Allowed to, uh, to be wrong. Yeah. yeah and a mathematical, uh, and Gate is our mathematical man here, mm. um, just because they're $2.50, well, that means they should win 40% of the time. Now, if they win 32% of the time, they should be $3.25. But they're $2.50. They're $2.50 through weight of money. And, you know, uh, it's, that's the way that racing has got been for, for a very, very long while. It is not guaranteed that they win. And, and the art of punting and the art of bookmaking is to probably... Uh, the art of bookmaking is to lay them at the shortest price possible to increase the percentage to give yourself um, the better chance of laying them at 100, 100% or, or longer. Uh, and the art of punting is to take the right price. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of people are not price sensitive and want to be piling on if everyone thinks it's a good thing. That, that then makes them shorter in the market than what they're entitled to be. Beautiful. Thanks for your call, Joe. We get to Paul now on the line. G'day, Paul. Yeah, hey, guys. Um, just ringing up about the um, the IME race with Dion Unicorn. Um, I'd like to thank all the tipsters for tipping Dion Unicorn in because I thought IME was a really, really good bet. And then talking about what you talked about earlier about everyone piling on uh, with the with the odds and lowering the odds and that, um, just gave us a better price with I and me, I thought. All right, there you go. More of a comment. Um, thank you very much for that, Paul. And John's on the line um, very, very soon. He won't be. He might be still having a guest bag to, uh, to Tanya about something. John from Wingham. No, he's, no, he's ringing up for a prize. Big Sports Breakfast Weekend prize or something. He's, he's, he's on the line. John from Wingham. He always rings up. Uh, we've got some horses to follow. Uh, well, I'll come to you first here, uh, Dino. What is your horse to follow, mate? Uh, I've got a 
you, Dave. Uh, swords drawn, I think, sticking over really well for Mike Moroni from race three on Saturday. Went through the line beautifully, uh, 2,000 metres. Next time won't be far away. And a couple from the uh, Ben and JD Hayes Yard. So risque, probably 1,200 down the straight. He was at his top too far out and peaked on his run. But I think 1,400 next time, uh, he'll be pretty hard to beat. And a horse that they've got back from Hong Kong called Helene Leading Star, who raced uh, in Australia in early days for Darren Weir under the name of Leicester, uh, won a South Australian derby uh, with Damien Lane aboard. Uh, he ran very nicely first up and uh, might be a couple of runs down the track for him, but uh, I think there's still, there'll be a day for him. All right, uh, and I'll come to you, uh, David Gately. Uh, what are your horses to follow? Yeah, look, I think uh, Dala Lass is extremely ready to win uh, midway or similar, uh, but just needs further than 1,200. And um, it was a lovely late work back at 1,200 in, in midway on Saturday. Uh, Ballarouge uh, probably should have won the last. Um, she crossed the line with Frumos and didn't have much luck. In fact, she was only clear in the last 50 metres. It was a terrific run. Hopefully that makes her a coming winner and it'll test Munza's theory out. And Victory Bay... Um, yeah, uh, huge performance given the tempo and are still relatively early in the campaign, so I can win soon for us, hopefully. All right, and Munns, your horses to follow. Uh, late in the day there, Dave, super pursuit, this uh, Kiwi Galloper uh, trained by Richard Collett. He's had two runs in Australia now, so he's ready, uh, I think, uh, to register a win in Australia and Festival Dancer in the last. Uh, that was a third run back on on Saturday she has won at a mile so she's gone 1300 1400 1400 she's ready to win in a mile and I think we should congratulate Dave Cameron Crockett for training the trifecta mm-hmm. in the tab highway on Saturday uh, it was interesting to note that Cameron did strap the winner himself uh, I noticed he uh, he was looking after super extreme so the combination there of James McDonald and uh, Super extreme, but uh, a big effort. Uh, I know Maddie Dunn had done it before, uh, many, many years ago, but uh, Cameron, congratulations to you. Three runners in the Tab Highway on Saturday, and they went bang, 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 uh, and they finished uh, a couple of lengths in front of the rest of the field. Yeah, they certainly did. It was a great performance indeed. Thanks for coming on today, boys. Uh, enjoy your Christmas, and we will catch you for punters post-mortem. Now, take note, uh, because of the public holidays, etc. our next punters post-mortem won't be next Monday, of course. Next Monday is the 26th. That's a public holiday, and we'll have standard programming. We won't do punters post-mortem on the 27th. I think that's a public holiday as well in some parts. So we're just got to wait and see what the programming is like is there. So I reckon our next punters post-mortem will be the third, uh, the third or the second. So we'll be in touch and we'll let you know. But have a great Christmas. Look after yourselves and thanks for being a part of the show this year in various points. Thank you, Dave. Thanks, Dave. And uh, just get your people to speak to my people. If we'll do, right. mate. We'll get uh, we'll get it all sorted out, uh, and we'll look forward to backing plenty of winners over the next couple of weeks. In the meantime, we're going to take a break. We're going to preview racing in New South Wales shortly. We've got two meetings, and we're back soon.